called <coughs> reality. But at first, to recognize that the, the uh, conditioned realm is more, is so powerful, and our attachment and identity with it is so strong that it's uh, easily fall back into it all the time. So this kind of determination, strong determination. That's why even <coughs> moments where you just stop and just remember, I mean, it, don't underestimate the power of that. Because you might think after <coughs> three months retreat that then you <coughs> maybe get carried away <coughs> with worldly things again and then then you can feel, oh, oh I've lost it or I, I have to go someplace where I can just hold it all the time due to conditions supporting uh, tranquility. But don't believe that. I mean, it's uh, the real the challenge is in is in a kind of humble uh, determination to keep using experience rather than always uh, getting attached to special conditions and and uh, and, and even attached to to the ideas of practice. You just, just, you get carried away with things and then suddenly you remember it. And be grateful for just being able to remember that, the present moment, the silence, the way it is now is like this. And uh, just uh, an attitude of gratitude and appreciation rather than uh, feeling of discouragement and despair because uh, you can't uh, you feel you can't do it or that you you uh, hate yourself for getting lost or caught up into your emotions again that kind of thing where you you're always uh, feeling uh, critical or that you're, you're hopeless because you, you've lost it. You keep blowing it. You keep losing it. You keep forgetting it. <laughs> so, I mean, that's normal. So that's just, that's part of the, the training, losing it and remembering. These are even losing it and blowing it and making a fool of yourself. It's still part of the training. So don't don't uh, don't despise that. So this faith is just being able to to immediately just trust, relief and uh, relaxation. And even if you can't do that, it is just to remember that. Not, it's not like asking you to do to, to you know really attain something but to, to trust more and, and trust in yourself more rather than, than endlessly uh, 
doubt yourself and, and uh, always see yourself through your what's wrong with you your sense of inadequacy or weaknesses Keep remembering this realm is like this. It's a coarse realm we live in, sensual realm. That's why it's not to be taken personally, just the way it is. You know, in a body like this. Take it personally, then it, then we can feel uh, you know, a lot of things are wrong. And, and but in, but when you recognize the the sense realm, that's why this reflection on impermanence, the dukkha, the unsatisfactoriness of the sense realm, it's it's, uh, it's, it's, it's nature it is unsatisfactory. It's, it's uh, just the way it is. It's not yours. It's anatta. So, but the knowing of it, the, the recognizing of it, is all to to know it and see it for what it is, rather than to complain about it or blame yourself or blame others because the world is isn't made exactly what you want, or isn't the way it should be according to an ideal you have. What what should be? So that that the uh, you know we some of the most frightening people are idealistic people, aren't they? Where they they always they always complaining about life because they they they, they know how it should be. So they always complain when when it's not doesn't live up to the mark. You know, the no, it's just <laughs> <laughs> so contemplate what what an idea is. Usually it's based on on an extreme, extreme, like the worst or the best. And so you have, you know, you have ideas of what, you know, fairness and justice and and uh, kindness and uh, respect and love and and all the the best that we can think of as 
important ideas here. It's like the mind can produce uh, superlatives uh, through ideas, the very best, the supreme, the ultimate, the the mostest, bestest, and you got a super <laughs> superlative of the superlatives. And uh, then this is the, the mind can, can create these images of <coughs> ideal societies, ideal people, the perfect woman, the perfect man, mother, father, and all that. the best? So that's 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 an, that's a function of the mind. <coughs> but ideas. Are, are just that they, they're they're uh, they're based on they're, they're perception and conception. So that, that uh, it's not the world that we live in. The sense realm isn't an ideal realm. It's it's uh, the way it is. It, it, it uh, everything's changing. It's a continuous experience of change, movement, flux. So they can't, you can't fix an ideal onto something that's changing. You know why? Why do you prefer flowers, natural flowers that don't last very long? They reach their peak. You put them in a vase, arrange them all very nicely, <coughs> and they look very beautiful. Only for a while, then they, then they, then they can't maintain that perfect beauty. Well, we could get really good artificial flowers made out of silk, beautifully made, that are quite beautiful in themselves, and can even look like real flowers sometimes. And they'll, they'll last. They'll never fade. They'll last. They never die. <laughs> they're ideal flowers, aren't they? <clears throat> they're they're what you know. You can create, you can make a flower from an idea, and make it you know it's almost perfect. But yet, it's not the same as a natural flower, which which is based on the law of impermanence, isn't it? Of uh, change and and so flowers reach their peak and then they and they, they just get old and wilt, turn brown, fade, and rot. And so this is just to contemplate this of of how you know how much suffering you create in your mind over your attachment to ideas mm-hmm. about yourself, about other people, about society, about Buddhism, about Amarati, about uh, senior members, junior members. Now, how much suffering we have over, over wanting the, uh, the senior members to be perfect. How many of you want me to be perfect? The perfect uh, Ajahn that it's always a, a, a continuous peak moment.
there may be signs of fading, great great disillusionment. So it's, uh, you know, ideals are, you know, they, they have their purpose, their function of the mind. It's not to deny their their beauty or, or their usefulness. But as an attachment, they can only make your life, you know, then you become cynical. You know, you just become a cynic because you just think, oh, you know, all women are like that, all men are like that, and you can't trust anybody, and all politicians are like that. And government, no matter what, the Tories or the Labour, Americans. <laughs> because uh, somehow you've been disappointed in your in, in, in them because they haven't been able to sustain themselves at the peak and, and be perfect for you. So that's part of the experience of the training really is to what is perfect is the fact that everything changes and all conditions are in there. That's perfection. Like daffodils. They're perfect not because they because uh, not just because they're beautiful, but because of their cycle. They 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 grow, they they blossom they get old, they die, they decay. That's perfect. That's perfection. Where, where say, the inner person saying, daffodils are only perfect when they're at their very best. You know, at the peak moment, that's perfect. So you just change from seeing that everything in terms of the peak and best to the cycle, the natural cycles. Like for, for us, which is the best of the newborn infant, the little child, the teen, no one would think teenage. Not <laughs> 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 there. And maybe 25, 30s, 40, life begins at 40, 50, 60. Now we're getting into decay. <laughs> <laughs> or is the human lifespan as a cycle perfect? You know, the fact of birth, or even conception and and pregnancy to birth to maturity to old age and death and decay. What's kind of expanding? You know, contemplating rather than than attaching to an idea of perfection. Then if you, then the refuge is in the deathless, so you've got, you, you need to realize or know the deathless in the present. In the present moment, what is, what is it? You know, so that you're, you know, it couldn't be a thing, you know, it's not, it's not a condition. Because in all conditions, you know, you keep seeing the impermanent nature of it. So it's no, it's the realization, it's the, the awakenment, the, the, the awakening of the mind, which where that realization uh, is uh, 
is reaches maturity. reflection and so when you're feeling really terrible or depressed or deluded then just accept that's the way it is right now it feels like this feeling miserable uh, is like this so you're changing your attitude towards it rather than than uh, just trying to get rid of it feeling doubt, disappointment, disillusionment, despair, depression, feels like this. The way it is. So you, you're, you're actually developing, you know, embracing the condition and really feeling it. And, and it's and its nature is to change. You're not trying to change it. It's accepting the experience in the present moment as it is without making any kind of uh, judgments about it. And that's a relief, isn't it? How many of you found life pretty uh, horrible because you're always struggling, trying to, you know, when you're feeling down, you're trying to lift yourself up. And when you're high, you're trying to, you want life to be like this. And, and, uh, and then you got you have all kinds of ideas about what a good meditator is and what monks and nuns are and what you should be and then you you, you uh, get into a bad mood or you say something you shouldn't and and then you hate yourself and doubt and blame and continuous struggle, isn't it? Um, on the on this as a personality, as a personality, it's an endless struggle to to defend yourself. You know, you've always got to defend yourself, justify, or or blame. You know, I always want to blame somebody. So then we, so then we stop struggling and resisting and just oh, it's like this. So, like in in a community, isn't it, where we live together? Oftentimes, it's a lot of kind of pressures on each other uh, in communal life. You know, to you know, just living close to each other and not wanting to be a, a drain, not wanting to be a, a dark cloud in the community, not wanting to wanting people's respect, wanting. Uh, to uh, do your do on the ideal level, you know what a good community member should be, and, and then feeling sometimes that we just, you know, we're just so just depressed or despairing and that we, we just feel we're we're uh, kind of 
drain or a drag on the community. So that is, let's see, the, the idea of the, you know, the community uh, is, uh, isn't making that demand. It's, uh, when, you know, it's encouraged to really uh, use those moments rather than just to perform the stiff upper lip practice and put a smile on your face and say, it's wonderful, I don't know. That's why when you see people really down or depressed, sometimes it's, it's really good to just let them be that way. Not, I mean, not to, not to not care about them, but sometimes it's appreciative. appreciate just being left to work it out rather than feel you have to, you have to uh, kind of uh, stop being this way because it, it upsets people. And of course we don't. Usually we don't want to upset people, so. but see, in a in a religious community, it's, uh, it's not we're not it's not like a social we're not relating to each other in terms of trying to appease and please each other on the personal level. And we're supporting each other towards a spiritual goal, so it's uh, that's an important thing. Is a spiritual goal, not not whether. You're exactly pleasing to me all the time, and you're, you know, you're always uh, at your best. And when you're not, then it's, uh, somehow you're you're judged in some way. But recognizing that we have to go through various uh, mood changes and karmic uh, experiences, and you know, suddenly you find. You know, certain obsessive things coming up in your mind. You hope you you uh, discarded years ago. <laughs> don't 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 feel that is a sign of of a lack of good practice. But it is a, the way things are in the present. Learning to uh, listen to each other rather than just, um, you know, I found that very helpful. Uh, being in my position, just learning to listen to people, and uh, without feeling I have to say anything or or just watch my own reactions when I'm listening to people. Because that, uh, that sometimes just people just, uh, or judging people by, you know, if you're telling me something that, and, uh, and something personal and something that you're, you know, that doesn't make things you've done in the past or done in the present that aren't very good, and then you, and then if I'm judging you then, you know, that, <coughs> that doesn't help, you know, to give advice and, and making um, moral judgments, but uh, listening sometimes it is like to to say to somebody, 
uh, talk about things you've done that uh, that you're ashamed of and tell somebody else it's sometimes very healing and, uh, and uh, to judge somebody by that it's quite cruel to make some kind of moral judgment so uh, training oneself just to listen and in listening you can actually feel sometimes your, you know, your own tendency to want to judge somebody or agree or disagree or or uh, react to them but you're you, you know you're, you're, you're listening you're being a friend who's listening rather than, than a judge or an advisor or a teacher a, psych, a counselor or a psychiatrist and then in the community then people can be depressed and not feel and feel supported as with the friendships you know rather than feeling uh, that the depression there the state of mind is making them uh, unpleasant unwanted in the community because that's what we feel isn't it if we, we feel there because we tend to judge ourselves very much you know, well I'm here I am you know in a depressed state and it's just a, a pain for everybody it's better if I go I shouldn't be like this I should I shouldn't uh, see that I'm ashamed of myself I should banish myself to Siberia <laughs> That's what we say in the West. <laughs> That's the worst possible thing you can do to somebody. In Russia, I don't know. Is that? <laughs> Send you off to Siberia is the worst possible punishment. In, 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 in Western terms. <laughs> so, just uh, the reflections on, on in community life, you know, how to, to, you know, to keep uh, remembering this. And, and, you know, I think sometimes we forget we make judgments or we aren't all that receptive or we we preach at you when we shouldn't or things like this but but also that's that's not our intention you know sometimes we we forget and get carried away and react but uh, this is where we want to establish the community on you know in a way that is a compassionate group and supportive towards spiritual development and sometimes we might not be that way, you know, but, but uh, that's where also we need to not demand that the community make endless demands from the community either. You know, you've got to understand me and support me in my, in my depression is, is uh, also a, a, you know, an unfair demand.
so it's, it's like a fine balance between, you know, learning to be, take responsibility and trust in your own ability to, to, uh, to practice and to realize truth and to uh, be able to, to uh, trust in the community that, that what, what you're feeling, what, you know, what you, the kind of things you're dealing with that we will, that we can try to support and help and virtually encourage you. But sometimes, maybe members of the community are going through various things also. So, you know, it's not based on on, uh, on just uh, the idea of a, of what a good religious community should be, but uh, learning to trust in your own ability and to uh, forgive and uh, and not make problem about the the problems that other people are having in the community. The first insight is more like flashing moments. You suddenly, you know, flashes. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's, it's those kind of insights. And then uh, that's how it starts. And then, the, and the, then life is just lived more insightfully. You know, more in a state of attentive awareness as a, as a way of living rather than. That's when that when you are really in that state of awareness and have the insights there, more and more it's just a natural natural state. And I find like uh, sometimes there's still this 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 kind of impulse to do something, like to practice, you know, in the sense of I should practice. I realize I don't have to practice anymore. Because it's, it's just here and now is just enough. There's nothing, nothing you have to do. But at that, <laughs> and that very feeling, I've got to practice. You know, so I want, if I get into that, then I go into a kind of. If I don't see through that, then I, I do tend to go into practice, and uh, and then it. Uh, you know, it's all right, but it is, you, you're kind of uh, operating from from a position again, which has its own kind of unsatisfactoriness. So that's why, you know, people like Krishna Murti and I used to say, no effort. You know, you shouldn't find any effort in the life. You shouldn't meditate. You know, he used to make these. Statements: You shouldn't meditate. Uh, you shouldn't practice, and you shouldn't use any effort. So I remember years ago, I started reading when I was a Krishnamurti fan. He said, "Don't meditate, and don't put forth any effort." What should I do then? <laughs> 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 
other one about, you know, all you have to do is go out and listen to the birds singing. So I went out, I remember, <laughs> Berkeley, California, went out on the hills of the university. Sat there listening to the birds, and so what? More. <laughs> <laughs> So somebody described Krishnamurti as the kind of teacher that's standing, uh, uh, he's at the top of a ladder and he says, uh, he's yelling, he says, come up and join me. And he keeps just thinking, come up here, come up here. Look, there's no rungs on the ladder. <laughs> How do you get up there? How do you get up there? <laughs> so I, I found the... Uh, uh, you know, the kind of Theravada approach, kind of just basic, like Anapanasat, something to do, you know, something to, um, you know, use that, that you can do. Because uh, the idea of just no effort and non-meditation, you grasp those ideas. You haven't, you haven't seen that. You haven't uh, the wisdom to see the result of, of grasping. So you're grasping Krishnamurti's ideas. So then in the mindfulness of the breath, or like the Four Noble Truths, people say like, you know, like the, the, the First Noble Truth of suffering. Well, if, aren't you grasping that and the desire to get out of suffering? Aren't you... Like, you know, you have a desire to not suffer and a desire to realize nirvana. That's desire. You shouldn't have any desires. You know, Buddha said you shouldn't have any desires. But that's not... The Buddha never said that. He said, you know, there is suffering, there is desire. Understand it. You know, so and suddenly you're starting with, with what you can look at right now. You know, so you where you are right now, whatever you're feeling right now, whatever desire you're having right now, you're not saying, I shouldn't have this desire and, and trying to get rid of it. But if there is an unwholesome desire, this awareness of it is desire, is the beginning of, of uh, wisdom, using wisdom. So Buddha, you know, the way to be free from suffering is to understand it, not to just try to get rid of it. So over the years that understanding deepens you know, and, uh, and, uh, and you really have to trust yourself. You're, you're, you know that there's a uh, your emotional habits don't trust. Like my emotional habits so. I can't trust. They say one thing, which I know isn't right. <laughs> <laughs> so my emotions can go on. You know? I don't like that person, and I don't like this. And, I, and, uh, and I moan and whinge at that. But I don't trust that. Because the, 
the refuge isn't in the that that uh, those emotions are what they are. You know, they're 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 vipaka kama, the present. But what I trust is my ability to be mindful of that. That's what I trust. Mindfulness of what I'm feeling. Not judging, not even judging what I'm feeling. I'm not saying I win, there I go whinging again, but just just observing that state of where I feel ill at ease and, and uh, feel threatened or annoyed by somebody and, and I can but I'm aware of that as a mental object I trust in that alone I don't trust in the things in my mind that, that blame others and and uh, make moral judgments or value judgments about myself or other people don't trust that This is a very simple thing. I mean, this is this is wisdom. Right? That ability just to pay attention to life and when wisdom is there, it's not not something that you you get. It's something that's naturally naturally yours. This panya naturally natural wisdom, universal, not a personal ability. So that's why it, it's not anything you can study the scriptures and learn Pali and Sanskrit still not use any wisdom in your life you, know, you can recite all the scriptures and, and uh, commentaries and give talks on them still uh, be totally deluded when it comes to experience <laughs> so <laughs> so the that the uh, the ability to be aware that wakeness, the puto, 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 that you trust. So then, then if I'm feeling like, like uh, self-righteousness and indignation, these are, were very strong emotions in me. Righteous indignation is one. And uh, in a kind of self-righteousness, uh, so so I noticed like like righteous indignation was uh, I get very I could really become very indignant over what I thought was injustice or unfairness, and, uh, and I could really that that was such a strong. Kind of powerful emotion, indignation. You really hard, so easy to believe in it because, in a way, it's right. You know, it shouldn't be like this. It's wrong. Things should be fair. They're not. They should be fair. <laughs> and I sh- they shouldn't uh, do that because it's true. They shouldn't. It's, it's wrong to do things like that. They shouldn't be like that. And so the, you get caught in that uh, in that that kind of vibration of indignation. But when you really observe that feeling, what does it like? You know, when I'm when I'm caught in my in that in that emotion, and then I suddenly realize my 
it's just this incredible thing like that as experience it's really harsh uh, painful uh, emotional pattern and it takes you over so that's why you trust not in the indignation that says it's right but in your ability to observe and to study drama this, this emotion That's what I trust. I don't trust in that. Because righteous indignation can be very cruel. Can it? It's like burn the witches and all that. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it leads to. Burn the witches. Kill the heretics. Destroy the pests. It's important to, uh, to really to know to what can you trust in the present moment. What is what is your real refuge? And then to 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 not to, to decide on anything you know anything you can think of, but just you know, open yourself up, put yourself in that state of attention, attention, awareness, awakeness. Sounds of silence. And then you can feel this maybe if you're in this in some kind of high emotional state you can be aware of it. It's like this. And you're just letting it be what it is. And in that willingness to let it be let things be what they are, they naturally change. So you can't be sometimes you you can you actually observe it's kind of it suddenly starts kind of going down a bit and then it's gone. And it was this caught myself a really in a high state of indignation. But I remember relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's enough for this one. <laughs> <laughs>